What is this, a pool room you hang out here? This place is off limits to unauthorized personnel, you understand that? Just for this, tomorrow night, when they change the marquee, you're gonna stay late and polish every bulb. Now get out. Look, I don't want my boys hanging out here, you understand that? Huh? Look, screw off, Rinaldi. This booth is off limits to you too, remember that. First of all, it's Mr. Rinaldi. And if my boys are here, I'm gonna come and get them. What does a cigarette butt do on the floor? There's no smoking here, you understand that? Just once, I'd like to meet you when you're not near you. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this reporter seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules! So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. folks, and welcome back to Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. I'm your host, Douglas Arthur, and today we have a special guest joining the show to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and was the focus of my professional life for almost 15 years. Uh, originally from Benton Harbor, Michigan, where a devastated local economy was in style way before anybody else in America thought it was cool, Tampa's Clark Brooks is a published author and a stand-up comedian. A big sports fan, Clark has had freelance articles published by Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League, and is currently the Senior Supreme Executive Premium Content Editor, which is a mouthful, for uh, a little outfit called the Tampa News Force, which is a hyper-local satire comedy website which produces short films and live shows. Uh, Clark has worked with national touring comedians like NPR's Alonzo Bodden and veteran showman Dom Herrera, as well as Preacher Lawson, Lynn Coplitz, J.B. Ball, Carl Lebove. Is it Lebove or Lebovi? Lebove. Lebove. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've heard of him. Uh, Dale jo Dale Jones, Josh Blue, Tommy Blaze, Nick Griffin, and Dusty Slay, among others. Uh, he has appeared on the main stages at Side Splitters and the Tampa Improv. Uh, in Tampa, uh, obviously that goes without saying, uh, as well as uh, performing uh, guerrilla theater stand-up shows on public transportation uh, amongst amongst other places um, that would be uh, not common to, uh, to having stand-up. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that during the show a little bit. Um, he lists Richard Pryor, Maria Bamford, Brian Regan, David Letterman, Chris Elliott, David Sedaris, Bugs Bunny, Chevy Chase, and Doug Kenny among his biggest influences as a stand-up. Now, uh, longtime listeners of this podcast may recall that Clark is also a member of the satirical, or are they, gang of internet pranksters called the Unbelievables, who I interviewed back in episode 23 a few years back. Uh, so, and, and here's another fun fact. Clark is also an ordained minister will commit weddings of all persuasions for a reasonable fee, such as a seat at the reception with a morally casual bridesmaid. In addition to all that, 
And the reason we are talking today, Mr. Brooks is a longtime projectionist, currently using his skill as a celluloid jockey at the historic Tampa Theater in Tampa, Florida. Welcome back to the podcast, Clark. Hey, it's great to be here after uh, extended hike. <laughs> Yeah, but it's great though. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I, 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 uh, we've been talking about doing this for a while, and, um, yeah. you know, uh, and, uh, and I should, uh, I should note that, um, you know, this is, this is what happens when I allow my guests to write their own intros. <laughs> yeah, that was really lengthy. That guy needs an editor. <laughs> well, I, I did, I did tweak it a little bit, but, uh, but oh. <laughs> that was still a lot. It was, it was a, it was a good go. I like, I like having long intros. I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the long intro. Sometimes, uh, you know, intros are so short. I'm just like, what does this guy do? (laughs) You know, they don't really give you a good sense of, of why I should care listening to this interview. Um, (laughs) and now there's almost too much to care about. Right, right. You're like, well, which, which direction are they going to go? Well, I mean, the reason I had you on is, uh, you posted, uh, the other day that, um, that you work as a projectionist at, at the Tampa theater. And, um, that really kind of that really kind of got my my uh, my brain joggling because uh, I I I used to work as a projectionist for many many years um, although I haven't I haven't worked in a movie theater in about twenty years now I, yeah it's been exactly twenty years it was two thousand one was when I left the theater business so um, you know I said you know it's it's such a unique position. Uh, and a unique skill set that there's very few people I can actually talk to about my experiences <laughs> in in the projection booth um, and and the film industry from from that perspective from the, the exhibition end of things um, and I thought it would be fun to um, you know chat about that of course we can we can talk about some of your other stuff your comedy and your the book your sure. your your writer and all that so mm-hmm. um, you know but. Um, you know, let's maybe um, let's kind of start off like, well, how did how it sounds like you've been a projectionist for quite a long time. How long have how long have you been doing it? Uh, since around 1997 or so. Uh, oh, OK. Um, I was hired by uh, an independent art theater down in Sarasota um, based on my concession experience working in sports. And the concept was that they were going to hire two managers, a downstairs front of house manager that did concessions and tickets and an upstairs booth manager. But as anybody who's ever worked in a small independent enterprise will tell you, right. everybody to be successful, everybody does everything. So there right. was no division of duties, really. So I, I had to learn it. I had to do it. So, so well, uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of I, I kind of. I started when I was in college and yes, I started as, as a concessionist. I, there was a movie theater close by to the university of Buffalo campus where I went to school and, you know, I started off in the concession stand and eventually kind of worked yeah. my, worked my way up. Um, and doing uh, projection projection work was like my favorite part because I really, even at that age, hated dealing with the public so (laughs) so if there's one job at the movie theater that does not really deal with the public much it's the projectionist um so uh and and unless you're under some sort of uh time constraint like a delivery deadline that has to be met it's a very zen 
practice to be up in a dark, cool room handling film with machines whirring. You know, it, it's very peaceful. It's very settling. Yeah, it it I I totally agree. Uh, you know, it's um, although after a while you do kind of feel like a mole person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so, um, but um, so you so you kind of started off and it was kind of a a part time endeavor or. No, no, I was hired as a manager. Oh, okay. Uh, but, All right. But the focus was supposed to be, you know, tickets and counting cups at the end of the night. But again, with only two managers, you right. know, we'd occasionally want a day off. So <laughs> right, of when course. that guy's day off happens, the other guy has to fill in. So, right, right. Yeah, you know how it is, independent business. Everybody, nobody doesn't know how to do everything. So, right, right. Um, so... 1997 so you were probably starting right around the time uh titanic came out then um i have, a, I have someone objecting to my presence here <laughs> it's I, he's disagreeing with my opinions already so hi. He's... okay there he goes all right now we're free that that uh, was uh, that was Siskel and Ebert's dog of the week. Uh, yeah, it was a Sparky. I forget the I forget the dog's name. Maybe I should move. Maybe I should. <laughs> oh, maybe not. You know, I've been sitting on it for an hour, and that's just now just happened. So, <laughs> um, but as far as your time frame, uh, yeah, we were an independent art film. Um, we had oh. the piano was like a big hit for us. Okay, all right. Um, yep, I remember that. And then there was also uh, Kenneth Branagh did an adaption of Much Ado About Nothing that had Denzel Washington and Keanu yeah. Reed and Michael, Michael Keaton. In. Michael Keaton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had that kind of stuff there. We didn't, we didn't get a lot of the mainstream. Okay, stuff, all right. But it was around that time, though. Yeah. Yeah i I worked for I've worked for some of the big chains, and um, uh, but I. But on my off days, I went to the art theaters. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the independent local local theaters to watch because I, you know, those are both of the movies you mentioned. I I saw in theater. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, that that was that was always you know kind of my my goal. I mean, a lot, the independent theaters all had you know maybe like two, three, four screens tops, and yeah, we had three. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was working, you know, 16, 18, 24 screens right. and it's like, yeah. you know, after a while it, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it gets to be much. So, you know, um, so yeah, the, the experience is definitely very different, um, from smaller theater that, you know, the first theater I worked at was an AMC and it had eight, had eight screens. Um, uh, and, um, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. There was actually some, there was actually downtime, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, by the end of my career, when I was working like a, a 24 screen theater, there was no downtime. It was just, oh, no. it was just like constant. spinning plates. Yeah. And, and literally quite literally spin, spinning plates. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> you are correct. Um, but you know, that that's one thing. And, and, uh, you know, you continue to do this, um, so you've seen some of the transition when I left, um, yeah. when I left the theater business in 2001, digital projectors were just starting. And in fact, the theater I worked for down in Tempe, Arizona was one of the first theaters in the country to have one. I think there were only 10, 10 or 15 
digital mm -hmm. projectors at the time, and we had one of them, um, um, which I'm trying to remember when that, I think that got, might've gotten installed in uh, 99 or 2000. Cause I know we played Phantom Menace. We played Phantom mm -hmm. Menace on it. And, um, and then we had a string of, you know, Bicentennial Man, and yeah. uh, there was some uh, Mission to Mars, I think. There were two, like, competing Mar Mars movies that came out. Um, and then there was, uh, you know, uh, there was that there, Disney did, like, some, like, Dinosaur, I think it was called. Oh, really? Uh, animated movie, uh, yeah, about dinosaurs. Anyway, um, I just I just well, now remember. that's all there is. There, there's literally no more 35 millimeter. So yeah. we still have our projectors at Tampa Theater, but you, we show old movies. We'll show Casablanca and Gone with the Wind, and even those don't show up on on film anymore. They all show up digitally. So yeah, yeah. I I was actually going to ask about that because it seems like there's a couple of different systems. Um, are the are the movies now? In, I, I mean, we used to. We used to cart around the big, uh, the film cans, the, yeah. you know, the, the reels of film, you know, it was probably 50 or 60 pounds a piece, some mm -hmm. of them. Um, and, uh, you know, now, I mean, do they, it seems like they might come, do, I can't imagine they come on a disc. Are they, are they transferred uh, via like the internet or like it's how? A thumb drive. Well, in our situation, it's a thumb drive. Okay. It arrives from a courier. Um, but I recently did visit a multiplex uh, not far from here and looked in the booth and the entire operation is remote from the, the films being ingested in the projectors to the start times to adjust. There's literally not a human being that goes up in their booth and starts movies. Wow. Yeah. Which well, I said, well, what if there's a problem? They're like, well, we never have problems. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what that's like, but yeah. Fingers crossed on that. Um, but, uh, but we're digital at Tampa Theater, but we're still very hands-on. We adjust the volume. We size every picture before we show it, you know, to adjust for keystoning or, you know, odd, you know, formats or whatever. Right. Um, but but that's the that's the exception now. To the, it's literally like pushing it, starting a DV, DVR. Yeah. I almost feel guilty getting paid. So. <laughs> well there 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 is there is some skill i i, I mean that kind of brings to mind because I, I you know went back when i was working and we were using film and the and the platter system mm -hmm. um you know and splicing everything together um you know people would always seem to think you were just putting a tape in the vcr uh yeah and, and, you and, pause and stop and it's like oh can't you rewind it no <laughs> I'm moving inside because my battery's low, so I'm mobile right now. Oh, okay, all right. No, no, no worries. Uh, you know, that's this—that's what editing is for later on. Yeah. If, if, if I hope it's not too loud inside where my charger is, but no, no, I'm sure it'll be all right. Maybe okay. I won't get barked at as much. <laughs> I'm being chased off the property. <laughs> It, um, but back to the, the thumb drives, the films show up on a thumb drive okay. with a, a pre-agreed to expiration date. So basically when the run of the film is over, it just expires off the thumb drive and, and just dies. It's just huh. a file. Huh. So it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a Mission Impossible, uh, Mr. Phelps kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Except without all the smoke. Yeah. How is this? Is it too loud in here or are we cool? 
No, it seems it seems all right. It seems all okay, right. Okay, good. Yeah. No, it seems all right. Um, all right. Yeah. So I, you know, I. I feel like, uh, um, I, I, you know, the, another thing that we had in common too is uh, working at a drive-in. It sounds like your experience yeah. was was a little uh, less pleasurable than mine was, but uh, yeah, you know, it was not was, a good drive-in. No, uh, so I I have to imagine it was different. Uh, you know, the, I worked at the Buffalo Drive-in, which was not open year-round. Um, but I have to imagine in Florida that the drive-ins might be open year-round down there. Is that yep. okay? Yeah, and I think we're down to two in the immediate area that are still open. And I just saw another article in the paper the other day that one of those two is facing concerns about uh, construction going up near there. That's right. going to throw ambient light onto their screen and possibly put them out of business. Oh. Whew. So they're in trouble too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it. You know, the drive-in is is such a tough uh, it's such a tough business to have now uh, nowadays yeah. um, because the the property becomes so much more valuable. That you know, um, you know, especially up up north here, um, where the drive-in's not open. You know, ha half the right. year. So. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it just sits, although I think with mm -hmm. the pan with the pandemic, they were getting a little more creative, um, by using, trying to use the property in different ways, you know, by having, uh, you know, like weddings and, uh, right. you know, graduations and stuff so that people could come because, you know, because of COVID they had to keep social distancing and stuff. So it was sure. easier for people to kind of come in and park and, and, yeah. um, and still, be able to have their event um but don't they just get buried in snow i mean it's got to be <laughs> do they make enough money to to justify plowing the place out all the time or uh well i mean i don't think they do that in the winter time but it does uh, they're they are able they are able to extend you know a little bit like in the springtime you know oh, okay. they're able to do some events in the springtime and maybe even later in the later in the year you know um like we seem to be getting our first snowfall later and later uh yeah. you know as yeah. as time as time goes on i mean today it was 45 degrees here in albany so oh, wow. so, so you know here we are december 10th so do the math on that yeah. um <laughs> i'm originally from michigan and uh, every year our drive-in just became one of those things you don't get to do for six months Right, you know, it, it just goes away. Right, right. Now, yeah. now, now, whereabouts in Michigan is that? Like the northern part, or down near Detroit, or, or like whereabouts? It's, it's in the southwest corner. Uh, it's a, exactly a hundred miles from Chicago. Okay. So yeah, we're closer to Chicago than Detroit. We're real close to South Bend, where Notre Dame is too. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not overly familiar with uh, <laughs> with Michigan. I, um, but yeah, that's that's weird. Like that's one part. One of the parts of the this country I've never actually been to too much. Uh, I've been to Milwaukee a couple of times, uh, mm -hmm. and I've been to the Chicago airport a bunch of times. Oh sure, uh, <laughs> sure. But yeah. Um, but never never really made it. Although you know. I knew I knew when I lived in Buffalo, there were people that would drive like to Detroit or Windsor because mm -hmm. 
but they would drive through Canada because it was faster yeah. to drive through Canada to go around the lakes to the north oh, instead, sure. of, instead of via the south. But um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so uh, with um, with the stand up. Um, you know, how did you get started? How did you get started doing that? Well, I was always a fan forever, going back to being a kid and staying up and watching, you know, Johnny Carson with, you know, people like, uh, you know, young Jay Leno and, uh, you know, guys like that that would show up on there, Richard Belzer. And uh, I just, it was just something I always wanted to do. So I decided at one point, I'd written some stuff on Twitter that I thought was kind of funny, some one-liners. I thought, I'll just write those down on a list. I'll go to a local open mic. I'll go up one time and say I did it and then never have to worry about it again. Right. So I show up at this open mic with this written list and I saw how seriously the people there were taking it. Even the people that weren't good at it were more serious about it than I had planned on being. I'm like, well, my plan's downright disrespectful. I can't, that'd be rude for me to go up there and do what I was going to do. So I went away, wrote an act and came back like a week later and did it and uh it wound up being more fun than i thought it was going to be right so i came back the following week and the following week and before you know it you know it's it, it becomes a lifestyle um <laughs> right i was in, i was anticipating it being really cutthroat and then like the people that were already established being mean and, and snobby about it and that wasn't the case at all they were very welcoming uh very friendly and they were nice people so i'm like well i like associating with these people so it became the thing to do. So, and now six years later, haven't learned my lesson, still doing it. <laughs> well, well, that's good. And, 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 um, I, I remember you doing some, uh, like stand up on like a, like a, 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 a subway train or not a subway train. It was, um, was it the, the shuttle train at the airport? Yeah. yeah. The, the airport tram thing. Yeah. I, like, we shot that and made a movie. We filmed a film. We made a film out of that. That got submitted to festivals and stuff. So, um, oh. and the way that worked was I, uh, two of my friends who are also the guys that started Tampa news force. And I, I had brought a date along and, um, we met at a pizza place and, uh, she works at the airport in public relations. She also plays bass in an all girl punk band. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and they had played at the airport. So by way of introducing Emily to those guys, I explained that she did that. And of course, being performers, they're like, well, why can't we perform at the airport? And then being comics and being silly, well, why can't we perform on one of those trains? Right. And then Emily's like, yeah, we can do that. We can totally make that happen. So with her permission and guidance, we, we rode on that train for five hours to perform the same 10 minutes of comedy i don't know how many times <laughs> and then edited it all down and put it into a film and uh got a lot of reactions from people who weren't necessarily there for comedy so right right yeah. i was i was gonna say i mean I, I, I it was probably a different kind of uh reaction based on whether they were coming or going yeah uh yeah <laughs> there was a lot of oh god i'm already at the airport now this so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it had to be squeaky clean because, you know, it's people traveling with kids and stuff. But right, right, right. They're like, how long is this train ride? Like, can't wait to get off. So, <laughs> but it was well, a lot of fun. Though. 
it it sounds i mean it sounds like such a a, a great concept um and i am kind yeah. of amazed that nobody had ever tried something like that before um there's a guy in st louis that's doing it on a bus or has done it on a bus he got in touch with us and let us know um he's doing it on their city buses in st louis oh that's cool so i don't know if it's because of us or just you know concurrent thinking or whatever but yeah right well, that's, but that's, everybody's had to get creative with whatever they do during the pandemic. But this was pre-pandemic, so right, sure, sure, yeah. And um, and uh, now, I mean, you mentioned the the, the Tampa News Force, um, and it, it I it, it seems like you've uh, gotten yourself into a little bit of trouble with that from time to time. Uh, people taking your articles, uh, your stories seriously. Uh, Once in a while, yeah, yeah, um, that happened. <laughs> um, but but kind of tell me uh, tell me a little bit more that, about that. For, from my perspective, it seems a little bit like uh, the Onion, but on a very local level. It's very much like the Onion in that uh, the, the the printed content that we produce is uh, news articles of things that may or may not happen. People say fake news. I call it alternative current events. <laughs> and uh we publish every day and it's very much like the onion um i pattern it i consider it more like the, the old national lampoon okay because not only are we doing parody and satire in print but we're also doing films and we do live shows and so uh being a fan of the lampoon it, it's kind of like fantasy camp for me to be involved with this so that that's cool and you're doing that with yeah. a bunch a bunch of other guys it's two other guys who started it we actually had a serial killer uh, roaming the area a few years ago and they would go out at night with a camera and just kind of look for police and interview the cops and they turned it into like a news reporting thing and, uh, and then it, it grew legs after that as something else so uh, John Jacobs who used to be on an MTV reality show a couple MTV reality shows okay, and, uh, and then his buddy Josh Santos who's kind of a cinematic genius he's done serious films outside of comedy that have won awards so oh nice nice uh, so it's basically the three of us and then we enlist the help of other local comics i think we've published articles from i think it's up to 61 different writers at this point so oh, nice nice yeah yeah so we're trying to give a forum to people who maybe want to express themselves in a different forum so well, i know we publish fresh content every day and we make fun of local people who sometimes have a better sense of humor about it than others and uh <laughs> that, that's always fun that's always the case that's always yeah. the case <laughs> yeah very cool and um i know a few years back you you printed a, a a book you published a book um yeah i got two now oh okay you've have you've got a yeah. second book um yeah now, the first one was a best of from a blog i used to write for 11 years Okay. And that, that did well. And then last year compiled uh, all my articles from Tampa News Force from the year 2020, the worst year up till now that anybody ever experienced. So it was like a, a worst of 2020. So yeah, Fair. got two of them. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And where can people find those books if they're interested in checking those out? They're both on Amazon. And okay. uh, the, first, the first one, the best of from the blog is reasonably priced. The second one, for whatever reason, Amazon wants people to pay $38 for it, which is ridiculous. What? I don't know why. I don't know what their formula is for calculating that. So I always tell people if they want it, get in touch with me and I'll get it to them for, for cost. Okay. Because <laughs> that's absurd. That's like an encyclopedia, $38. It's not worth it. So Yeah, that's... Uh... 
you know, I don't, I, I don't even charge that much for, I feel bad no. charging uh, 25, you know, 20 or 25 bucks for one of my books. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, and my, my other one's like 10 and this one's 38. I don't get it. And, it's and not mine, even that much longer. Mine have pictures. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. I guess Jeff Bezos needs to buy more rockets. I don't know what the... Well, they, they, yeah, and there's certainly a joke there about rockets uh, and Jeff Absolutely. Bezos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if people find me through social media and they want to get into this and they really want it, I'll absolutely hook them up with what one it costs because I don't care about making money on it at this point. I just want people to read it and enjoy it. So Sure, sure. Yeah. The whole so, making money thing, that ship has sailed a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Do, to to bring it back around to uh you know the the the, the movies um mm -hmm. uh you know one of the things that you know was it was interesting obviously as a as a projectionist um you know we kind of have a unique uh view of you know the how a theater operates um yeah. and and also a unique view of of the customers as well usually from sure. you know from upstairs so I'm just wondering, like, I know I've got a few stories, but like, I, you know, are there any, do you have any, you know, favorite stories either from the drive-in or from, from the regular theater of just, oh, you know, gosh. Uh, some cool things that happened at the old theater in Sarasota um, for whatever reason, Sarasota has a lot of celebrities and heavy hitters in the entertainment business that are kind of below the radar. Right. And uh, one morning I was tasked with showing up and doing a screening, a private screening for a film that arrived in cans labeled Dutch 2. There used to be there was a film called Dutch that starred Ed O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, that was a wasn't that a um that wasn't a a, a what's uh what's a John Hughes movie, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Well, these cans came in labeled Dutch 2, like the sequel to Dutch. It was Independence Day. Oh, it wow. It was a rough cut. Yeah, it was a rough cut of Independence Day. Uh had to slap it together while being watched by a security person the whole time. To make sure that I wasn't like snipping frames out, right, you know, right, or whatever. This was pre-internet, kind of like early internet, anyway. Right, and right. And then he sat up there in the booth the whole time while we screened it, and then he sat there while I broke it down. And I don't know who watched it because I couldn't leave the booth, but somebody of import was watching Independence Day at our little independent movie theater a wow. couple of months before it hit the big screen. Wow. Uh, and then another time we had to screen footage for what turned out to be the Nutty Professor. Uh, Rick Baker came to watch some test footage. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then uh, a movie called Palmetto by Volkar Schlondorf was shot in Sarasota, starring Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Shue. Okay. And we, we were screening their dailies. So oh, wow. after hours, they would show up to watch that day's footage. And every once in a while, just for no good reason, Bill Murray would be there. He's not even in the movie. Bill Murray would show up for those. Rosie huh. Perez showed up for that. And wow. yeah, it was just like, you never knew who was going to wander in for this screening of this footage for movies they weren't in. I guess they were just hanging out, I don't know, with their buddies, like Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Shue. Huh. So that was pretty cool. But as far as Tampa Theater, Tampa Theater is a historic building. It was opened in 1926. Uh, our booth is on the seventh floor and we have no elevator. Oh. So if that tells you anything about calling cans up and down stairs. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. But it's also widely considered to be the most haunted building in Tampa. Oh. So there's frequently people that come in to check out paranormal activity. And, that, and a, 
a lot of the legend comes from an old projectionist who uh, died in the booth. Oh. oh so my. when people ask, I've literally never seen anything. And I spend all my time in the spot where the guy literally died. So I don't know what that tells you about ghosts. But I, I, I try not to ruin anybody's fun who insists that they go there and they see strange things. And right. right. It doesn't happen for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 there, there have been times, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, in the, in the, I've worked in a, a whole slew of different uh, theater booths and, you know, mm. there, there are times when sometimes you're up there by yourself and it's, it's late and, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, you're already in the dark half the time anyway, but sometimes it's hard not to get a little creeped out. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I don't watch the movies up there because it's such a lousy vantage point. You know, it's so high and the sound isn't good. So I get a lot of flack from people like, why don't you watch the movies? I'm like, because it's a terrible yeah. vantage point to watch the movies. So, yeah. yeah, I do spend the time in the booth reading and it's quiet. And Yeah. Yeah, that's not I, I used to um, I mean, I used to watch movies from the booth when when I could, you know, obviously yeah. at the 24 screen theater, I was not able to. to to do much of that yeah yeah that that is true that is true um but uh you know when i could it was it was nice uh to you know have the monitor volume on the on the projector Mm -hmm. and you know you just just listen or or um i would use the rewind bench to draw my comic strip um oh yeah yeah (laughs) you know um and might as well might as well yeah. So, uh, you know, but you know, I'd make my rounds and I'd, you know, check the oil and all of all of the all of the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I I still like you know, not 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 to get too you know R rated, but I mean, there there are times you know, looking out the window of the oh. From yeah. from the projection booth out into the theater, and it's like you can see people doing things that uh, maybe oh, they yeah. should be doing at home. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, nobody's watching us, uh, right? Yes, right. They are like, uh, and then you're like, you know, I really shouldn't be watching this. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then you know, and then you know, part of me because you know, I I'm such you know, I I, I am who I am. It's like, well. Do I do I call down to the ushers to break up their fun or just do I walk away and, you know, <laughs> you know, they're not hurting anybody. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 But, uh, you know, sort of related to that, but not exactly. I, I also used to work for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Oh, right. One of, yeah. And at the time, our cameras are for the guys that would walk around and get crowd shots. They had to be followed by a guy with a battery pack and an antenna. Right. Um, so I was the guy that carried the antenna. I wasn't a cameraman. So I had to follow at four feet away from a cameraman and I had a headset on. And every once in a while, you would hear the guys in the booth go, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. And it was because Rudy was a cameraman who excelled in finding pretty girls in the stands and putting them up so that the guys in the booth in the control room could see these pretty girls. Whether they made it onto the scoreboard or not wasn't always the case, but. <laughs> so I always tell people, like, if you think you're getting away with something in a place like a stadium or a theater and nobody's seeing you, you're probably yeah. not. There's a Rudy out there that's, that's right. checking you out. And yeah. so don't don't bring your pretty girlfriend. Don't eat like a slob. Don't, you know, all that stuff. Somebody is watching that. 
Yeah, so. yeah. It, it, that reminds me of, uh, I, and I'm sure you probably remember this, uh, way back when um, at the uh, at the Sky Dome in Toronto, they've got mm -hmm. the they've got the hotels. Oh, built, the hotel built it built into the yeah. built into the the stadium, and yeah. you know there was a couple there with the curtains open, and uh, yeah. <laughs> So they had, they had to change their policies on the on the hotel. I'm sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure people got a warning when they checked in, but they were probably like, "This is why we checked in here. This is what we're doing." So. Yeah, right, right. There, there are people <laughs> like that. That's definitely true. Yeah. So I, I, you know, other than uh, you know, we didn't get too many celebrities in Buffalo, obviously, but uh, mm. I, I do remember there was one time that uh, Ron Howard came. Oh, cool! Uh, they were doing. It was the movie The Paper, which I think oh, had yeah, yeah. Glenn, Glenn Close and uh, mm -hmm. I think was Michael Keaton in that too. I, I think, think maybe might have been in that. Right. Anyway, they came and did like a thing. I I unfortunately did not wasn't working at that theater when that happened, but I was in. You oh. know, I heard. I mean, obviously, I heard about it. And at that point, I was in the projectionist union. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had occasionally filled in at that theater where it happened, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I was not, not there at that time, but um, yeah. you know, just, just interesting, interesting stuff. I, I worked at another, sure. I worked at another place um, called uh, super saver cinema, which was a second run theater. And it was like, its gimmick was that all seats were $2, you know, oh, okay. it was a, so, you know, we got the movies, you know, second run. So they, they, they kind of played out at the, at the main theaters and then yeah. we'd get them. But, you know, now with video and, uh, you know, streaming, it's like, there's no window anymore for that. Yeah. It's simultaneous almost. It, yeah. it is in some cases. Yeah. And, and yeah. even out like I, they just announced the, uh, the Eternals is going to be on Disney plus starting in January. And I'm like, that wow. just, came, that just came out. Yeah. This just yeah. came out it's like still, a month ago. So the shelf life is so short now for theaters. So. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really difficult. It's a very different business. I mean, mm. they used to, you know, it used to be, there was, there was a window and, and now there's, yeah. there's, there isn't, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, but, it used yeah. to be first run theater, then dollar theaters and then home video and yeah. then TV. And yeah. now it's first run and TV at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and home box office too would, yeah. you know, was kind of mixed into the equation, right. you know, and you know, you have to pay, you know, $18 a month or whatever it was back mm -hmm. even, even back then, you know, you know, yeah. 25, 30 years ago, it was, you know, 18, 19 bucks a month to add HBO to your cable. And there's know. so much content. I can't believe how many movies come out every single week. Like, Oh, it's crazy. When, like when I was a kid, uh, Jaws was in the theater, my local theater back home. And Jaws is in the theater all summer. Yeah. You know, it had to be three months or more. And now that's unthinkable. You wouldn't have a movie in the theater for three months. There's no way. No, you've got to push it out to make room for a new yeah. content. Yeah, no, it's the same. I mean, I remember, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, Star Wars played mm -hmm. like for a year straight. Yeah. A year straight yep. held over a 52nd week. You know, it, it, yeah. it was crazy. And now there's at least five or six major releases every single Friday. Yeah. So it, it the, 
the industry has definitely changed uh, quite a lot yeah. more, even even beyond you know the digital projectors, which have kind of phased mm -hmm. out the projectionist job that that, that yeah. we had, you know, where we you know have to splice everything and keep track right. of all the keep track of all the trailers on the movies and uh, you know that was probably my least favorite thing was changing trailers out. Um, yeah, you know. Um, yep. So and then some some of the times if you you'd question the decisions like why is this trailer a part of this film like who's making these calls like, right I'm yeah the i'm smarter than these people downstairs with this stuff yeah it's like you know I, well part of it is like marketing you're like oh it'd be perfect yeah. to do this but then you're like oh well of course this is a disney movie and this you know they want to they want to show a trailer for they're not going to show a trailer for Columbia Pictures, or they're not right. going to, you know. Tarantino's next thing is not going to be on there. Yeah. No, no, right, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you had to be careful. Like if you were splitting a screen, you know, in the in the afternoon you were showing, you know, Barney's Big Adventure, and at oh, night, right. and at night you were showing, you know, some Chow Yun Fat movie. Uh, yeah. You know, John Woo. Uh, yeah, you know, and again, you had, it's not like if you screw up and start the wrong one that you can stop and rewind it. Like, no, nope, yeah, we're offline for a while, folks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> give us about give us about fifteen minutes, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, you read about those kinds of mistakes happening. You, you used yeah. to, you used to read that, but now with the computer, I, I have to imagine that's not going to happen much. It's it's literally play pause forward and rewind it's literally a dvr is all it is it's, yeah there's nothing to it well i as much as i lament it i i i do appreciate the crisp picture with no scratches oh, sure. and dust and all of that there was nothing that upset me more pissed me off more going like i remember going to see iron man on opening day and it was had a huge scratch all down the middle oh god it was i was like is opening i i tried complaining to the manager uh this was at a regal like i don't even remember where i was um and and uh yeah i complained like i'm like it's 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 opening day and it's got a big scratch oh it it opened on wednesday like that makes a difference i'm like two days ago and you got this huge scratch yeah, who's I'm like putting your stuff together up there. Yeah. Or, or you know, keep it not even just putting it together, but keeping your, you know, your aperture yeah. clean, you know? Yeah, whatever it was. You yeah. gotta you gotta clean in between shows, you know. That's and uh, you know, I knew I knew some projectionists that didn't, you know, they just yeah. And I'm like, well, this is why things get screwed up. This is why things get yeah. messed up. Why we get yeah. scratches. Nothing you know. jumps out of frame anymore. None of that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> right, and and uh, I I mean here's here's kind of a funny story. Um, I don't know if you remember the movie Henry and June, which was yeah. it was the first NC seventeen movie uh, mm -hmm. that that got released. We mm -hmm. we we played it at at the theater I was working at at the time, and um, we played it for like six weeks. Um, it was in one of our smallest theaters, but it played for like six weeks. It had just mm -hmm. enough business to kind of keep it going for, for a little bit there. Cause I think there was enough interest because NC 17 was brand new. It was yeah. you know, supposed to, you know, we can do adult movies now that don't have the stigma of, right. the, X, of the X rating, but yeah. you know, that didn't last. Um, right. 
you know, because the, the, the same, the same people were like, well, we're not showing NC 17 movies either. And it's like, right. well, right. why, why bother? So, yeah. <laughs> but we, we played that for six weeks. Um, about the fifth week, we had somebody come out of the theater and say, you know, I think, I think your reels are out of order. Oh and no. And we're like, I, you know, I remember, I remember screening that movie with, you know, other people. I didn't put it together. I didn't right. put that one together, but I remember screening it and I, you know, it was an art movie. So, yeah. you know, you're like, you know, uh, I just thought like it was a flashback or, yeah. <laughs> or something, but yeah, when we, when we actually took the movie, uh, took the movie apart, uh, you know, the next week when it finally left, we're like, oh, crap, this this is out of order. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> two, two of the real two of the reels were swapped. And we're like, how did and nobody complained except that one guy like four weeks into the run. It was <laughs> that means that means there's people out there, probably a lot of them who at some point are going to see that movie again and go, this isn't right. This is not the way I remember seeing this movie. There's something wrong with this. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was, I don't know that that's just, you know, one of those funny stories. <laughs> we actually have some old reels of 35 film, just miscellaneous film laying around up in the booth. And I'm proud sure. to say that every once in a while I'll go in there and I'll practice my splicing game. Oh, for good. no practical reason, but I'm still pretty good at it. So yeah. I still have a skill that will never ever be needed again. But well, yeah, I mean, my no my bubbles, goal... nothing. I'm good. Exactly. That that was always yeah. my goal. No bubbles. Mm -hmm. You know, you, if yeah. you want you want to make a nice solid splice that'll hold up. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. no no air no bubbles. No little dangly pieces of tape in there. Nothing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It, you know you try to clean the edges off and yeah and all of that and uh yeah it's it uh, there, there's, there's definitely an art to it for sure yeah yeah uh, you know so um but but and, you know and then um you know we used to uh, we used to you know move prints you know on on the you know, I think we we talked a little bit in our in our messaging about Thursdays being uh, yeah. being being the big day of the week. Well, um, especially in a multiplex. Oh you yeah, imagine like Tampa Theater's one screen, so yeah, not so yeah. bad, not so yeah. bad. But um, yeah, on there were there were uh, most weeks it was okay. You know, we'd we'd you know maybe swap out four or five movies. But there were some weeks where we were swapping out like 10, 11 movies. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. It just, yeah, it's a lot. It was, it, it sucked. <laughs> it yeah. was, it was a lot of work. And I, I would be there until, you know, three or four in the morning. Um, yeah. You know, and then, um, and then we were supposed to, you know, pre, pre screen the movies. Um, oh. You know, you know, to make sure that there weren't any defects, you know, right, make, right. make sure our splices were good too. I mean, yeah. how many times have you had a fade out at the end of a reel where, you know, if you don't cut it right, yep. then the, you yeah, know, you're, you're jump off, out of you jump out of frame yeah. when the reel changes and, you know, then you've got to stop, yeah. you've got to stop the projector, reframe, reframe it, and then yeah. mark, mark the splice so you can fix it later. <laughs> <laughs> fix it I after the show 10 counting one two three four one two three four sprocket holes to make sure 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes I, that was the only way. Yeah. Uh, that that's true. That's yep. true. So, and, and you had to be careful, like sometimes too, like there's that leader at the end of, yep. uh, you know, the, the, the tail of the, mm-hmm. of the reel. Right. And, uh, you know, you didn't want to cut too far into that either. Cause no. you know, yeah, you had to think of the next, wherever it was going next. And you don't want to screw that guy by, you know, right. Putting bad tails and heads on stuff. So, Ugh. And then the and then the the confusion of all of the different digital audio formats that came out there right. at the end at the end of the '90s with DTS and uh, yeah. SDDS and and yeah. Dolby and Dolby Digital Sound, um, you know, and they all were imprinted differently. Um, yeah. And then when when I was leaving, uh, they were actually Kodak was doing something. They were doing like a magenta optical track. Like the the, oh, really? the they were they were trying to do something different with the optical um, the optical sound that's actually printed on the mm. on the side of the film by the sprockets and um, yeah it was I don't hmm. know if that I don't know if that ever caught on or not um, if it didn't it couldn't last it very long yeah I don't know it, it was kind of like the 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 polyester film um, yeah you know. Uh, I think the fugitive was the first uh, movie that came that we got that had the polyester film stock. Um, And and it was supposed to be uh, brake resistant and it was, but instead of breaking, it would stretch and it would just like destroy the projector. Um, So instead of a simple film break, you, you wound up destroying, you know, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Oh, good grief. You know, it was it yeah. was not it was not good, and then it would like get jammed in the in the film sure. gate, and it, would, and it would just melt. You know, Ugh. you know that classic that classic melt. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, um, so it's it it's something. You know, <laughs> and, and a lot of non-projection people think film break is the worst thing can happen. Film break is nothing. Brain wrap. Brain wrap. Brain wrap. That's. <laughs> That's the killer. Yeah. That's nasty. That can be yeah. nasty. Yep. Uh, yeah. I recall so, walking in sometimes and seeing one in progress and going, oh, no. Yeah. And then I'm just sitting here the rest of the night spinning this platter manually to make sure it doesn't yeah. break. But, oh, God. We used to we used to get them a lot when I, when I worked at the Tempe Theater because there was no humidity. So it would, oh, really? get, it would get very staticky. Oh, okay. as a as a result. So we had all kinds of different anti-static um, things that we tried. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think they worked very well. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I think uh, everyone I ever had was my fault, just wrapping it around a post or something instead of right. You know I mean, just looping it around a wrong post or something. Yeah. So, I, I, it, you know, it, it it was such a such a crazy thing. I remember I had. Um, surgery on my on my finger one time and i i was supposed to be out of work for like three weeks while it healed up but i i'm like i can't you know with no no insurance or you know Mm -hmm. know, you're getting paid hourly it's like i can't afford to be out of work for three weeks and um you know you're not it's like not long enough to get an unemployment or or um workers comp or anything like that so 
Um, you know, I, I've, I taught myself how to thread a projector with one, with one hand. Oh, and, wow. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a little, parts of it were tricky, but I was able, yeah, to, sure. I was able to get it done. I went, I was back at work in, in like five days or something. That's you know. impressive. <laughs> it was That's very impressive. It was it was something. It it made it made it slowed me down for sure. But I was able to I was able to get the the work done. So yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, you know. Fortunately, that was I was still working at an eight screen at that point. So right, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't so bad. But um, so, I, I, do you have any other um, any other stories of of uh, you know, yeah something? We get a, we do a lot of festivals at Tampa Theater because we're kind of a niche thing. It's, there's a prestige to showing movies there, so we get annual festivals. Okay. And uh, Florida is not a union state. There's, unions have no power in Florida, except during festivals we become union employees and we become superheroes. And uh, like I make sure to clear time out during the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival because typically they run a lot of their movies off a computer. That just wires into our projector and they actually run it and i literally just sit there and get paid so last time uh last year's was canceled but the year before that i was up there and i'm just hanging out and their volunteer is running everything and i'm reading magazines and having a good time and we get to the last movie of the night and there's a glitch it's not starting and the director is in the audience downstairs and for whatever reason can't get the movie to start so the front of house people are on the radio calling like what's going on what's going on up there I'm like he's got a problem he's working on it though right now so just give him a minute and uh, the house manager says i'm coming up there and i said well i'm a union projectionist this week and if you set foot in my booth i will kick you down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> and i was allowed to say that and i all i didn't never got along with that guy so it was like wish fulfillment during that <laughs> but i'm like the guy who can fix it is working on it you know what i mean what what good are you going to do by coming up here and yelling at him let him do his job i think we may might have started five minutes late which right. nobody noticed except for the guy on the radio that's screaming and hollering and uh right it just felt good to be able to tell him just like calm down we got we're okay we're yeah. flying up here we're we're yeah. working it out we're working it the out poor, the, the guy that can solve the problem is working on the problem what else do you want so yeah yeah that, and I, i'm there, in double time because i'm a union projectionist so <laughs> well that's there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing yeah. wrong with that um yeah. yeah we i mean i just remember you know just having some you know crazy stories of you know dropping yeah. people to, like other oh. people would drop a print on a thursday night trying to swap it from one you know they didn't have they didn't have all the clamps on it that they should have had on it. And it, of course, you know, it, it, it just, uh, it was like a, a slinky, uh, you know. Yeah. In Sarasota, <laughs> I had a part-time projectionist drop a print and didn't just not tell anybody came into work the next day and just found it on the floor. Like oh my he God. Dropped it and was like, well, I guess I'm fired. And he just left and I never saw him again. Wow. Yeah. The well, Brothers that... McMullen was the movie. I remember that. Oh, geez. Yeah, I had, we were supposed to open it, and it was just on the floor, like a slinky, like you said, just all over the place. I'm like, I don't even know where to start fixing this. We had a we had an issue with uh, Three Kings, which was that uh, George uh -huh. George Clooney, yeah, Ice Cube and Ice uh, Ice Cube, David Mark O. Russell, Wahlberg. 
Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, David O. Russell yeah. was the director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had an issue with that. Uh, one of the one of the guys dropped it, dropped the print, and um, it was just it was like spaghetti. I don't know how we figured out how to untangle it because you're right. You know, at a certain point, you're just like fuck it. You know, <laughs> like yeah, right. Going to take throw it in the trash and buy a new one. I guess. I mean, it's expensive as that is, but. Right. I would always tell those guys, I'm like, it takes exactly the same amount of time to put all four or five clamps on there as it does to put one. Right. Just do it the right way, please. Right. Exactly. We actually had yeah. um, at that theater, we actually had a, a film cart and it oh, was really? and it was leveled so that it was just the right height um, to slide the print from the platter onto the uh -huh. cart. And it had oh, that's good had three tiers that matched up with the three platters so you could you could maneuver from any you know any any platter it was it was kind of nice but it was also yeah. it was also kind of a pain in the ass too so <laughs> so for, for the sake of the novices who are watching this should we explain what we're talking about when we talk about a print and having to care like we've mentioned putting it together but did we actually talk about what actually happens from the the time it the reels arriving in a can to a showable print. I don't think we talked about that. No, yeah, we could. I that's a that's a great idea. Um, so yeah, the the film um, back back before back in the old days before digital, yeah. Um, yeah. the film would actually come in canisters, which contained generally between five and six reels for most yeah. standard movies, but some some movies. And each were reel is about twenty minutes. Each reel is about 20 minutes. Yep. So yeah. it, it depended. Some movies were longer, like, uh, you know, I think Dances with Wolves was like 12. Yeah. Braveheart yeah, was like, a long movie. Braveheart yeah. was like 12 reels, 10 yeah. reels. And, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction was, was another, yeah. that was like Pulp nine, that was like nine reels. Um, and, uh, yeah. So what we would have to do is splice them together in order. Right. Um, Sometimes and, those reels would be labeled better than other times. Yes. <laughs> you had That's to how Henry and June wind up out of order. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Um, yeah. And you, and you want to make sure that, uh, you know, if, if they weren't rewound properly at the, mm -hmm. at, at the, um, at the factory, you, you know, you want to make sure you're not putting the, the reel on backwards too. I've, right. seen, I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but um yeah so then we splice them all together um in order but we also mm -hmm. at the time we're doing that we're spooling them onto this giant flat we call it a platter yeah uh, probably about six feet across maybe four to six uh, feet across it, at least i would say at least yeah. six feet across it's it fairly yeah. fairly large i know i couldn't reach across the whole yeah, thing you can't you can reach to the middle that's about it yeah yeah i mean like I just that was the that was the scariest thing when we had a long movie like uh, Titanic or mm -hmm. or or Braveheart or something and it would literally it would come out about an inch or so from the edge of the platter. Right. I mean, that, that's how much uh, Green Mile was another one. Uh, Which meant was, you had to watch at the end to make sure that it, when the platter spun it didn't spin so fast it would throw it out of balance and throw it, it off the platter. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes we, you would tape little things on the platter like little bumpers to keep it on in place. Yep. We but did we that. Ahead, ahead of the story there. So. Right. 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 Um, so uh, 
the one of the things that that was unique because in the old days and i actually worked with some of these projectors at the drive-in um you would do reel to reel projectors there would be you would put mm -hmm. your you would put your reel of film on the top thread it through the projector and then there would be an uptake reel on the bottom yep. and and then you would switch reels um you know, at the drive-in, there were at the drive-in there were two side-by-side -side projectors. The first, the first projector would have roughly half the film, um, which is usually three to four of those smaller reels um, yep. spliced together. And then, once you got to that, once you got to the right point, you would switch projectors. It was supposed to be mm. able to do it automatically, but it almost never did, and I had to do it. Yeah. Had to had to do it manually by. Yeah, pulling the aperture open at just the right time and hitting this yep. and hitting the the sound button at just the right time, yep. um, so that the people out in the audience wouldn't notice the transition. But which is why, if people go to these older theaters and they notice multiple portals up in the booth wall, that's why because there's multiple projectors right. for that reason for presenting films that way. Right. Yeah. Um. And and the other thing too, like um, which is another thing you don't we don't have anymore with the digital film um but if you if you people remember up in the upper um i'm trying to remember if it was at the the left hand corner uh you would get what we oh, call the, the cigarette the, burn the cigarette burn uh yeah, which little white circles it was a little it was a little circle up in the corner that was a cue to the projectionist that the reel was about to end and mm -hmm. they they were ready to s switch projectors um, and, if, and often in those movies, when you'd see that, it was accompanied with footage of maybe a character just standing there where nothing's really happening because there's a little extra right. footage there to accommodate right. those changeovers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's 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 true. Um, so, uh, th you know, that was <laughs> that was always fun trying to time those. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> another point of pride, though, if you were good at it. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was always that was always a, a fun thing um, to to be but able to do the, that. And then in what what we considered our modern era, these these multiple reels would get put together in one solid print, this one big thing on a platter, and then we would feed it through what was called a brain. Right. It was called that because that regulated the speed which which the, the film would pay out into the projector. Right. And then we would run, would you uh, thread it through the projector and then back to another empty platter that would just pull at a constant speed to pull it out of the projector and back ready to show the next show. So that's what we're talking about with, with the film handling. Right. And, and that's where when we, you know, when we mention a brain wrap, what happens is the, 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 uh, the, the, it, it doesn't, it's not regulating proper properly either because the film is staticky and it's sticking or, mm -hmm. For whatever it's reason, not threaded right or yeah, right, and so the film itself starts to wrap around the outside of the brain, and yeah. then it, and then uh, the 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 tension of it becomes so great that it just kind of pulls, mm -hmm. uh, pulls the film, you know, kind of from the center. It becomes this giant salad of yeah, celluloid. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the reason those mechanisms were necessary is when a film goes through a projector it's not actually flowing through at a speed. It's moving at intermittent frames per second. Like it's actually, a, a frame is held in place, a, a shutter opens, light is shown through it, and then the shutter closes again, and another frame advances. 
So the platters, the bottom platter has to pull at a constant speed, but the payout platter has to be intermittent based on the the mechanism of the projector itself pulling film through and, and projecting it on the screen. Right. And um, yeah. and that's also why when we're threading the projector through um, through the aperture where the light comes through, um, we have to leave uh, loops on the top right. and the bottom to uh, compensate. Yeah. To, to compensate for that, because yeah. you're right. Uh, even though the 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 take up platter is running at a constant speed, um, yeah. the film itself is is actually starting and stopping very quickly as it goes right. as it goes through through the projector. Um, right. And as you watch the platters, as the movie's playing, when it starts, the take-up platter's spinning very fast. Right. And then towards the end of the movie, it's hard. Sometimes it's barely moving at all as it's rewinding. So. Right. Right. Like I've worked uh, different. There were different ones that the that that actually had uh, like a, a a tone arm or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. under underneath the platter that um, yeah that would help regulate the the the, the speed of it, but. Um, Right. But yeah, that was, it, it's such an interesting thing. And it's hard to describe to somebody if they, um, sure. if they haven't actually seen it, uh, yeah. you know, um, the point is there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong back then. People yes. don't realize what a major undertaking was to actually show a movie from start to finish. Oh yeah. There's a million things that could have gone wrong. Absolutely. So every time you saw a movie when it didn't, that means somebody did a lot of things right. <laughs> exactly. I, it, it was rare to have a shift where nothing went wrong. Yeah. Right. You know, so, something went wrong at least once a shift on one of the projectors, yeah. yep. you know, um, you know, and then, and then uh, changing the, changing the bulbs and doing maintenance was oh, always, God. you know, the, the bulbs were very, the, very nerve wracking. The bulbs themselves. Like explosives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they really were that, um, uh, you know, we had to wear like a flak jacket and, um, yep. you know, a, a protective face covering gloves, because, yeah. and, and gloves and everything because the, because you the, couldn't get oil on, you couldn't get your fingerprint oil on the new bulb. No, that would create a soft spot. It would make it blow up. Right. Because the heat was so intense. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of, for, for the smaller uh, theaters, you know, I think we were doing like 1200 watt bulbs, 1500 watt bulbs. The larger theaters might be 2000 or 2500 um at the drive-in i was at the longest the throw from the projection booth to the largest screen was 700 feet and we had and we were using like 5000 6000 watt bulbs yeah for those um and they were just you know these they were filled with xenon gas and it was mm -hmm. highly highly pressurized and um yeah if if they exploded it made a mess, uh, you know. And you had to you had to monitor those things, the hours on them, because of course their expensive management wants to get every ounce of life out of them. Right. But right. you also don't want it to die in the middle of a show either. So right. That required some management. It was like literally trying to drive a car until like there's just enough gas to get to the gas station. Basically. Right. Right. And of course, right. Yeah. Uh, you you monitor the hours. You 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 know you yeah. put your your when you changed it and uh, you know. Yeah. But the because there was a, a little counter that counted the hour the yep. the bulb hours, um, and um, yeah, and and there were ways of like tweaking the 
the amperage and stuff to try to get, yeah. you know, to, to make them brighter or whatever, but it would also make them not last as long. Right. The potential for an explosion. Now, fortunately for yeah. me, I, I never had a bulb go out during a show. No, I never did either. But I've, I had some that had some serious flicker. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that I and changed. That's scary enough. That I changed yeah. afterwards. But yep. I, I did have, I did have a couple of, uh, of bulbs explode like in the lamp house, like, oh, really? at, like between shows and yeah. it was loud. And, you know, it, it, you know, it, it just, I can't even describe it. It's just like, it sends all of these sharp, fortunately it was inside the lamp house because it, it was just sh these tiny little glass shards. And just imagine that's why we wear the face shield and the, sure. and the gloves and everything else, because if it explodes, You've got glass Im embedded in you. Oh yeah, for and, sure. Uh, you know, and, and, and even if it's self-contained, in that it can still damage the mirrors and the optics and stuff inside the the house. And so, yeah, yeah. It's not a, not a good thing ever. No, no, it's so. uh, that that was that was the most nerve-wracking thing I ever did. Uh, changing yeah. changing those bulbs. Um, you know, we did have some fun. Uh, when I worked at the dr drive-in, we we had a whole bunch of old bulbs that we threw out and we tossed them from the roof of the uh -huh. of the projection booth down into the dumpster and just oh you know, that'd be awesome and they they were they exploded pretty good <laughs> now now this is something way before our time but uh my old theater back home was an, an old movie theater that existed in the 20s and uh there were outer windows from the booth with a basket that hung underneath it and i was told that was because the film was highly flammable back then. yes yes and it was not uncommon for something to catch on fire and what the projectionist was supposed to do was rip the the reel off the projector while it was on fire go to this window throw it out and into the basket where it could burn without and then the doors would slam because there was toxic gas and everything and like yeah we well, talk about it being dangerous but it was nothing on that level no so. no yeah the um yeah originally they used this uh nit nitrate uh yeah nitrate print highly highly flammable it's extremely flammable and and yeah uh, i've actually seen there was um i was in a projection booth i never got to run run in it uh, run yeah. run run the booth but um i was in there visiting and it was uh an old-fashioned you know booth and you could tell that it was um you know from the old nitrate days because yeah. they had they had these iron doors that yeah. would that would close that would yeah. close over the the reel mm -hmm. the, the 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 film housing where the reel was so that you could contain the fire if it caught on fire yeah um, you know there were lots of theater fires and lots of sure. lots of people you know that that didn't make it <laughs> yeah yeah you know? and i don't think it was it was uh I'm trying to remember when um, safety film came out. That was probably maybe the forties, maybe, maybe the fifties, but that was kind of the modern, uh, the modern, you know, reversion revision of, of film. Yeah. That's sure. like a, when I was watching Inglorious Bastards, uh, <laughs> the one thing yeah. I had an issue with was like that film would have gone out much faster in real <laughs> yeah. life than it did in the movie. It wouldn't have been as dramatic. It would have been very quick. So. Yeah, right, right. It was kind of a it was yeah. kind of a flash. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's a lot of a lot of danger to it. Um, 
you know that's why you know some films like uh you know cinema paradiso and uh mm -hmm. you know some like that was kind of a fun movie for me to watch when it came mm -hmm. out because i'm like oh you know this is this is the way you know projectionists you know used to be you know yeah um, yeah you know and then and then of course you know i, I after after a certain point you know i, I uh there uh after fight club came out of course everybody's mm -hmm. like oh yeah you ever splice in porn i'm like no why why would i do that Nobody <laughs> why would i have that. porn to splice in? yeah and I, yeah exactly i don't have porn <laughs> to splice in anyway yeah and, you know it's like it's like this stuff just magically appears you know yeah I mean, yeah. in an in an old projection booth, you might be able to, you know, find something like the the drive-in that I worked at was in business for over fifty years at the time I was there, and there was just all of I there was just all these old trailers and stuff hanging around. Yeah. I actually I actually took the time to splice them all onto a reel. Oh really? Uh, actually, I think I had them on two or three reels, um, and and there were some old trailers, stuff from the fifties. And, yeah, they didn't uh, care about the trailers coming back so much as the prints. Like right. the trailers were pretty much disposable. But I remember, like I had, there was a trailer for um, Earth versus Flying Saucers, which uh, was a Ray Harryhausen movie, um, yeah. and just just some weird like art film stuff from the seventies that was like you know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was rated PG then. It would be, you know, it'd probably be NC seventeen today by today's standards. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's just the guy that brought me into Tampa Theater was a guy named Mike Curley, and he had a collection of his own film, and he had one of the uh, the the coming attractions thing that came before the trailers that was like na 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 na. He had that actual. Oh, nice! Thing from from back in the '60s or wherever, and I don't know how he managed to keep it, but that was in his private collection. So nice, yeah. Throw it, that up there in front of an old movie sometimes. So yeah, I I, I did that um, with uh, actually with Independence Day. We had Independence oh, Day really? at the drive-in. I was working at the drive-in when we had that, and I actually I asked the manager first. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak on this trailer, this old trailer yeah. for Earth versus Flying ah. Saucers in front in oh, that's front cool. so i love that oh yeah people people yeah. people like that but you know it, it was like i didn't i didn't keep it on for the entire run i only had it on there for like the a weekend you know yeah because you know you know you, you were always afraid because there are people that would actually come and check the trailers to make sure you were showing the right trailers and right right and all oh that. yeah of course yeah so so yeah it's uh you know the the business is was so it, it's so strange sometimes <laughs> yeah it really is it's a, it's a weird thing for sure anyway uh i feel like we should wrap this up probably because we've okay. been yammering uh for <laughs> for a bit <laughs> i hope people got something out of it i mean it, it it is literally a lost art i mean it's a craft that is not coming back you know that that's that's for sure and you know i i certainly lamented on a certain level it's it's something that i took a lot of pride in when i did it i became responsible for training other people how to do it and yeah. um and now that it's it's just kind of disappearing um and and really fairly quickly uh you yeah. know i've been out of the business 20 years and it's like it's it's almost completely gone there's there's smaller you know kind of niche uh, theaters like where where you work um yeah. and then there's some drive-ins there's a 
fairly famous driving up in these parts called the Mahoning, which is in Pennsylvania, which still runs 35 millimeter uh, prints. Right. Um, I don't know where they're getting them from. I don't know who's even producing them anymore. I I, I don't know, but um, there's a, a family-owned drive-in about an hour south of here in a town called Ruskin. And when the conversion happened, they were basically told, "You got to update, or you're going to be out of business." And they had to do like a pre-internet uh, crowdsource thing where they had to get their fans to chip in so they could upgrade their equipment and actually stay in business. Yeah, yeah, there were there were a few there was a drive-in around here that had to do a very similar thing. We've surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, we still have a you know a fair number of drive-ins in in this area. Wow. Um, you know, I'd have to count, but I I I think there's probably like five or six drive-ins wow. within 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 an hour from here. Uh, yeah. Five or six drive-ins, so. Uh, we're down to two and maybe one if this construction thing goes through. So yeah, yeah, it's it's well, it's different for sure. Hearing hearing these reliving these stories, I actually don't miss it as much as I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll show but, up at Tampa Theater this week. I won't have to worry about any of those problems. So. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to have to deal with the the critics, movie critics either. Oh right, yeah. We we, used to, we had a couple in Buffalo that were just you know some of them were were very nice but some of them were just like my god you know get uh, take some lessons in uh civility please you know yeah definitely. you know yeah there's there's some that are really i i was told once that critics write for other critics it, and it you, feels if you're that miserable way. you're writing for your miserable buddies yeah so, it feels not that all way. of them but some it of feels them that way sometimes yeah um you know for sure but you know uh, I, you know, who am I to, who am I to judge? I can't, uh, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not a critic. Right. <laughs> no, nope, neither. I try not to, but sure. I'd love to have you back on, you know, we'll do that. You show off my splicing skills. I know. And we didn't even talk about the unbelievables. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I might... love, I love my brothers. The unbelievables. Uh, miss those guys but uh you know that 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 storyline ran its course i think we uh, we took that as far as we could go and uh it's still out there if people want to check it out it's fun it was fun we were make-believe spies or cops or whatever i guess we were i don't know some sort of rogue law enforcement agents i don't know that wore incredibly beautiful clothes is uh we were very stylish oh yes so. <laughs> yes so so there's so there's a little chance of a of a revival or a, or, a, or a comeback or a reboot the only reason we quit is because we kind of ran out of ideas i mean there wasn't like a falling out or anything so you know if somebody comes up with an angle sure we could probably do something yeah i i mean not like yeah. we don't like each other <laughs> true true enough true enough I, yeah. yeah i mean i, I still kill my character off though that's that would be one thing that might be a problem. i may have to come back as my son or something uh, or 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 of course the ever popular evil twin oh i could be my own evil twin that could be fun <laughs> maybe we'll get the wheels rolling here so there, there you go there you yeah. go all right well clark listen it's been a fantastic yeah it's been great talking and uh you know like i said it's not often i get to chat about the uh ins and outs yeah. of the projectionist uh you know field uh you sure. know it's been, it's been a while uh 
since I've done it, but I, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those weird things where you simultaneously have fond memories of it and also glad that it's over. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm glad to look back on it as opposed to looking forward to having to do it this week. Right. So. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. I totally yeah. understand that. But uh, all right. Well, on that note, uh, we'll we'll thank our guest uh, Clark Brooks once again. If you're thank in the you. ta- if you're in the Tampa area, you can catch him at uh, your local comedy clubs from time to time. Maybe even uh, on a street corner or uh, or city bus. Uh, who who knows? Something. Who knows? Yeah. He, and uh, he he'll be doling out his uh, special unique brand of of comedy. You can pick up his book. Uh, was it uh, inconsistent trickle of inconsistency? Yeah, the first one was a ridiculously inconsistent treasury from okay. the ridiculously inconsistent trickle of consciousness blog. Okay. And then this last one was unprecedented, spelled U G H, unprecedented. Okay. Uh, the, the tales of 2020. So. All right, and those are both on- people. Yeah, they're Those both are... on Amazon, but if people connect with me on uh, social, we'll uh, we can make arrangements to save you a couple bucks. On sounds uh, so. sounds sounds great. Sounds right. great. Well, thanks thanks for joining us, Clark. Sure. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Two-Headed Space Mules is copyright 2021 by Douglas Arthur for Dugside Syndicate. All other content is copyrighted its respective holders and is used under the doctrine of fair use. You can contact the show by sending an email to spacemules at yahoo.com or you can drop us a voicemail on our new listener line. Just visit anchor.fm slash spacemules slash message and we might just use it on a future show. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at spacemules and head over to Facebook to like the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, show notes, and celestial ephemera you can shake a Zuni doll at. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. We're now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Copy RSS. Or you can visit anchor.fm at any time. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say, Man, I gotta hide out here for a while. Rinaldi's been busting my chops all day. Don't let it bug you. Oh, God, it's hot. How do you work here? You think this is hot? Yeah. When I was in the Army, I used to be a fireman. Every day, I'd shovel coal into six furnaces.
24 hours on, 48 hours off. But I didn't mind it. It didn't bug me. I could get away from the other duty. It's the same up here. It's my own little world. I live here.